Welcome back everybody to Getting Past the Premium. We are excited to bring you part two with Steve Atkinson with Buckingham Strategic Partners, where we're gonna continue with his experience in the industry, seeing the financial services side of the industry go from being a sales-based, product-based industry to more of that advisory model. And so we're excited to have you listen in and enjoy. Welcome to the Getting Past the Premium podcast. Welcome back, boys. Good to see you again. Yep, good to be here. Thanks for being here again, Steve. You guys, we got Thank still you. on the Woodford train, right? Yep, it's a good one to be on. Um, so we we thought we'd continue our conversation from part one, right? Around we kind of ended that talking about who that burden of connecting all these different areas in the client's life, whether that's a business or a per, somebody's personal life, who kind of that burden falls on when you look at that take it the more of the sales product based model versus that true advisor model mm-hmm. and you know the burden falling on the client in one side of that and the advisor on the other and what is better ultimately for the client and i think ryan you had a, a yeah, no, example was, you wanted to use there we were just talking a little while ago about a circumstance we were in we went in to chat with a prospect actually pretty well run company locally and uh, we went in to talk to them about them hiring us from an advisory capacity Mm -hmm. and conversations dramatically different than obviously what a traditional risk management conversation would be probably expecting. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, we had to overcome an objection in the email because, you know, it's like, Hey, we want to come in and talk to you about risk management and their defenses go up right away. Oh, you Mm want to talk to us about insurance? And it's like, well, that's obviously part of the conversation, but that's not the entire conversation. So uh, we got in there and we started asking them some questions about their company and da 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 da. And I said, "All right, guys, let's let's kind of break this down a little bit." And I asked them what their top three with risks were across the company. And I asked, there were three people in the meeting. I asked them individually. So we wrote them up and uh, at were the end, whiteboarding right now. We were, uh-huh. yeah. I am can't right now through, in my head. Through a meeting yeah. without whiteboard. No. no, I love it. So uh, <laughs> anyway, we got through that exercise, and lo and behold, like the majority of the time, these risks had really a lot to do with the success of the company, but nobody was helping them professionally manage through these risks. Uh, the back half of the exercise was okay. Who's Who's helping you walk through them? Is it internally, i.e. somebody inside the company, or externally, somebody you're paying to help from a risk management perspective? All of the big ones fell internally. And so, they have advisors they're paying in certain capacities, right? Large, yeah. large sums of cash because yeah. their top three spends, like one of those is health insurance. Got it. You know, and producers and agents are paid from the commission that they make off of that spend. So it's it's massive. Um, we started to change the way that they think about risk management. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an interesting dialogue. So, um, you know, going back to your your intro on on how advisors are trying to change the way clients think about our industry you know it's a great specific example so 
Yeah, you know, you know, one thing I want to jump in and see, we, we've used the term like sales-based or product-based. Yeah. You know, really, maybe a better way to describe this is, you know, we get, we're all in different relationships. I, maybe we call it transaction. Yeah, transaction like better, relationships, agree, right? Yeah. Versus product-based. Advisory-based. Yeah, I mean, or, I mean, yeah, do you get your advice by transacting? Like, I, I go to you, I have a problem, I get an answer, I go home, right? Or versus an ongoing, where it's a, it becomes a into a continuum versus per episode. Yeah, right? that's a good way to, to describe it, I think, as we've been... Talking through it, it is transactional versus kind of in the first episode yeah. we talked that a product-based person isn't bad. Correct. No, you, know, you can still be an advisor. And a people, yeah, people aren't intentionally doing anything wrong. Correct. They, they think they're doing yeah. the right thing. But like in your example of the company who might have three, you said three advisors paying a lot of money, health insurance. Well, those are probably transactional relationships. Yeah, that's you know, a good point. Correct. But we all know that you know uh, we know how to uh, you know get in shape and lose weight, right? I, mean, yeah, well, I, 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 mean, I, like, I can transact and go yeah, to the still store. still trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I can transact and go to the store and buy like a lean cuisine meal, right? I can go and buy a weight gym or something like that, but that doesn't mean I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. Right. Um, so we can we can get all the components, get all the pieces, but where you make a difference when you have a true coach, mm-hmm. right? And that's where I think the real a piece of, a, of being an advisor becomes is you're invested in the relationship when you don't have to be. Yeah. Right. Meaning, and in that example, like, you know, not getting top say you don't have to be, right? So it'd be that, that ongoing fee-based, you're always looking out for the client's best interest to get their, their outcomes. And without that, that, that a piece of, whether it's a business owner or an individual client, someone in their life, they carry that burden. Yep. Right? They have to be the ones going, oh, God, what's next? What haven't I thought about? Piecing yeah. hey, it all I, together. Yeah, I got to wake up tomorrow. I got to motivate myself. Well, that's tough. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a great book uh, by Michael Gerber called The E Myth, and yeah. the whole premise is business owners spend way too much time working in the business, and how do you step out and work on the business? Mm-hmm. Well, a business coach or an advisory coach can help you work on the business because you got enough on your plate working in the business to run it. Yeah, I think one of the best points of your example there is though, you know, there's three people in some sort of a capacity that have the ability to be that advisor. Whether or not they are, whether they may be that transactional person, but they're in some sort of a capacity to transition whatever they're doing to that advisory role, yeah. right? Because they're they're helping the client in one of the top three, whether that's expenses or impacts to the company, um, and it's just it's that choice, I guess. What model do you, as that person, want to operate in, mm-hmm. um, and what makes the most impact to the client, right? Yeah, no, I mean there were. Couple things, you know, coming out of the, I think, off of the heels of what you were saying, there's a fantastic TED talk out there. It's uh, just called Get a Coach, and it's about a physician who brings in an outside coach that oversees him doing surgery and how to become better at his practice when he was already at the top of the game. I think about that a little bit from the business owner's perspective and your book, The E Myth. you know, because these business owners are, they're inside their company all day, every day. And, you know, I'm sitting there in that meeting and I'm like, okay, guys, so all your, your largest risks are coming back to you guys to fight through. You do, you're not bringing in anybody to help you. And so how are you managing through those? And the, the funny thing is, is that we all gauge risk different with how familiar we are with the company. So I'll try to say that a different way. But, you know, when you're inside the business and you build it, 
Like you understand the risks that you're taking and you probably quantify them differently than an outside advisor would coming in mm -hmm. with that objective approach. Like, yeah. whoa, whoa, dude, you're taking on way too much risk here. And the business owner's like, well, I know, but man, I've done it from jump and like I'm comfortable with it because I know it and I can control it and da, 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 da. But you may not have to. Yeah, there may be a better way, but you don't know because you don't have that outside objective mm -hmm. coach. Yeah, and they may have, uh, you know, whatever that topic was, they may feel comfortable with that risk, but they may have blind spots because they're so invested in one area. And, yeah. and when you take on risk, you're taking on stress, obviously. Mm -hmm. So that just only compounds things where, you know, everybody has blind, we all have blind spots, right? Yeah. And that's where a coach's job is to come in and tell you, hey, you got X, Y, and Z covered, but it's your mission A, B, and C, mm -hmm. right? If you pay attention to A, B, and C. And when you're so busy working on something and so passionate about something where it has to work, right? That business owner that, you know, they're taking on a lot of risk. In their mind, it has to work, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So to make this one thing work, what is falling? Right? You're not paying attention to. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michael Jordan had Phil Jackson, right? He never stopped having a coach. Kevin Durant has Steve Nash. <laughs> uh, maybe not best yeah. analogy. Michael Jordan has Scotty yeah. Pippen. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Davis Rodman. Yeah. And Durant had Kyrie Irving. Who's the guy at Golden State? The Curry. Oh yeah, Steph Curry. Yeah, 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 yeah. that helped. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, no, we get your point. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, I, so maybe describe as you've seen the evolution in this industry. Those that work best as that quarterback, as the advisor, you know, how do they act? What do they do? How do they help the client? You know, how does that whole picture work? You know, it's it's a it's an interesting question, uh, and just because the, using the term quarterback, so the ones that do it the best do not view themselves as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. So um, somebody once said to an advisor, uh, "Who anointed you the quarterback?" <laughs> right. So I think the, the way I'd answer that question is the the advisors that work in a team environment the best. Are great at collaborating. Yeah. Right. Everyone has a seat at the table. They're not the head of the table. Actually, the best advisors right. aren't at the head of the yeah. table. They're, they're 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 they speak the less the least. Right. Their job is to prompt others to add the value, and they're comfortable not being in the limelight. Yeah. I'd say that's the people that do it the best. Yeah. Right. I mean, bring in the experts. Right. If these are transactional people to bring the right services at the right time for your client, bring them in. Let them be the, do the talking. You focus on the client. Right? Yeah, yeah. Be, the, be the master at the relationship. And in any relationship, people would rather talk about themselves than hear you talk. Yeah. Right? So the best ones talk the least. That's a good point. I mean, Erica Moorhead from a couple episodes ago, that was exactly what she said as well from Collaborative Planning Group. You know, And typically, you, if you go out and find the right people, they're the ones with the deep breadth of knowledge in that particular area. And they're not trying to necessarily be right. the quarterback, right? Because they understand where they sit in, in that capacity yeah, yeah they're brought in for a for a for a specialist solution they have an expertise there um you gotta be careful there you don't want to talk too much right yeah. you, i'm a big believer in the iceberg approach to communicating you know you go right down to the bottom of the water where all the you know the icebergs way underwater you see a little bit above water mm -hmm. but a lot of these experts like to talk about how much they know mm -hmm. and it just goes around the client's head right they're like, oh, yeah. I just want to know I'm covered. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just let let them take you deep, you know. And and if they don't take you deep, you know, you don't got to keep talking about how great you are. Yeah. It can, we were doing some work internally a couple weeks ago around the uh, story brand sure. book and messaging, and that's exactly the way that 
you should position yourself. They they call it the guide, mm-hmm. be the guide, and you make the client be the superhero. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's that same mentality. You're just helping them along their path. Yeah. And I think it's – I was listening to a podcast the other day. I think it's the – it's the one you sent me, the millionaire producer with Charles Specht, I think it is. Yeah. But he talked about when you think about from the client's perspective, what do they actually want? Like when it comes to insurance or financial services, to your point, they don't want to understand. They're not going to understand the insurance policy, nor do they want to. They just want to know they're covered. Right. But more so what they want is they want peace of mind in knowing that you are understanding it, that you have some sort of a way that you're making sure you understand their situation and you're putting the right products in place, right. right? And if you can help them understand that whatever you're doing on the back end, it's not just, Hey, I'm Elliot and I, I I know what I'm doing. It's no, you have a process that you walk through to understand that Um, you're going to provide that sense of security in their mind. That's ultimately what they want. Right. And they want to be able to come to you and say, this happened. We talked about it. I'm covered. Yeah. Right. And ultimately if you can do that and make it simple, you're going to win more so than you're going to lose those deals. Right. There's an idea called the back of the napkin conversations. But if you can't explain what you do on the back of a napkin, whether it's drawing a picture or writing it out, you, you probably uh, you're probably taking too long. Yeah. Probably go too deep. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and but most of us can actually on the back of a napkin, you know, a few words or a few pictures explain what we do to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most of us. Yeah, it worked right. out. You can get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're trying. We're trying, right? There is uh yeah, who's the uh who's the artist that does uh that does the pictures Dan in Rome. the book? Yeah. 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 So fantastic book out there with Dan Rome and he walks you through how to explain you what you do oh, yeah. and how you do it. Um, so yeah, we do have a nice book. Be a good here. resource. Twenty seven principles every investor should know. Yeah, it was by Steve Atkinson and Dan Rome did the pictures. And there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, that's actually a good unintentional segue into maybe a different, a little bit different topic of education for clients, mm-hmm. right? So. You've seen a lot, and I know you you kind of coach advisors a lot on how to bring value to uh, whether it's a client or a potential client and use that from an educational marketing perspective. You know, maybe transition into some of that that you're doing on, on that side of the industry to help people maybe think through how they could. <clears throat> yeah, the education piece. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, again, in this industry just for 25 years, but you see a lot of advisors <laughs> do educational um, you know, seminars or mm-hmm. programs and um I'm a big believer in education. I think that's one of the biggest values that clients are paying for from their from their advisor. So I always told advisors, like, you should always have a calendar of events where, you, where your clients every single day have an opportunity for someone else to unload a financial burden on their plate, right? Now your client carries that burden. Now the chance of them calling you up out of the blue, because they, they know you're busy as well, they're going, hey, Ryan, I got a question. My neighbor asked me this, right? I mean, they're probably not going to call you with that because they know you're yeah. busy. Mm-hmm. But if they know there's an opportunity in the future to come to a webinar, come to a phone call, come to something, right? And they can either bring that person along with them or they can ask the question on behalf of their. It's, it's important that they know that education and getting their questions answered or the people they care about questions answered, it's a huge value, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, not enough advisors do it. Or when they do educational events, they're actually um, product seminars, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and seminars. you know, there's like an almost a side industry where clients like you know get their mail around. They go, "Oh, that's a good restaurant. Ooh, that's a good meal. I'll do that. I'll take the beating of trying to get <laughs> scheduled a meeting for like five times." You know, but the best the best ones I've seen are 
where it's truly education and there is no, you know, at the end of this, here's our calendar of sign up for a time slot, right? So if it's truly education and uh, people will find you, they'll come, they'll, they will find a way to talk to you, yeah. right? Uh, just, just be yourself and be personable. But education is huge and it's not done enough, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, um, again, I guess for our audience and maybe where they're at and their career and again somebody is eagerly trying to understand how they can make this leap between where they're at today in the risk management industry and coming over and and being more of an advisor how do you start just walking down a, a pretty strict education road hope hoping you know uh, that people are going to come around and see you differently and be in a better spot than your transactional counterpart. Mm -hmm. How would you do that? Yourself? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, again, there's no better way to get uh, to know the answer to that question than ask your clients, right? I mean, if it were me, I'd probably ask my clients, like, well, what are some of the things that are keeping you up at night, right? When you think about, you know, um, your financial future or risks in your life or opportunities that really you have a lot of passion around. What are some of the things that you wish you knew more about? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. You, you add that question to your client conversations, you're going to make a list of a bunch of topics, right? And there's probably somebody in your community um, that, that can speak on that topic for them. Um, I would probably, you know, if I'm just doing, let's say I'm just doing, I'm a transactional and I'm just an insurance person, right? Maybe I go and interview a handful of investment advisors in my area and say, mm -hmm. hey, you know, um, let's do some stuff together. Right. You do, an, and obviously if they're not competing with you, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you do the investments, I do this. Let's come together and add value to both of our client sets. Yeah, that's a good um, idea. Yeah, that'd be a start. Mm -hmm. It's funny, that's the second time you've told me today to just ask your clients, um, which <laughs> I think is such an underutilized um, technique to find these things out. You know, we, we sit in these rooms and we try to come up with all these ideas, and at the end of the day, it's like, so just go ask some clients. I think there's a reason for that. Our industry, um, it's an expert based industry like you're told and taught all the trainings are train us to be you need to be the expert mm -hmm. right well here's the deal here's the here's the catch you're never gonna be the expert in everything yeah right you can't you know, even the best cpas have to look up things time to time yeah right so you they, when you look up you're gonna go to another resource so um but but there's this and i don't know if it's to overcome you know uh, not being a salesperson or whatever it is but I would say times change, you know, maybe in the eighties when people didn't have access to the same information you had, mm -hmm. you could yeah. kind of pull off the expert role, yeah. you know, but today with the, with the phone, I mean, you, you t talk to, you know, you talk to my, uh, my kids who are almost 20, right? They don't listen to anybody's expert advice, right? <laughs> yeah. They're going to take it. Then they're going to synthesize it with a group of friends and go, what do you guys think? Yeah. Then as a group, they're going to make a decision. Yeah. And that's the beauty of everybody at the information. Yeah. You kind of, you can kind of cull through all the BS. Right? Who's just trying to get in my pocket here? Uh -huh. So well, you know, half my family members think they have PhDs. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, something's wrong with my finger. So, so yeah. I, I, I keep saying go back to the client because just be more collaborative. Yeah, you know, just get take off the veil of you're the expert, they're not, and say, hey, we both have the same set of information, but what I don't know is what's really keeping you up at night. Yeah. Right. No yeah. expert can anticipate that. Mm. Such an easy conversation, too. It is. It's, and it's the conversation the clients want to have. Yeah. There, there's an old you know, saying that we, we use around um, our, our company, and that is the real expert is not the person who knows. It's the person who knows who knows. Yeah. 
right? And we should all have a list of people who know things so that we, when we get brought a problem and go, you know, I, I'm not sure, but I know who knows. Mm -hmm. And you bring that resource to your client. That's the true expert. Yeah. You know, that's a, and that's a great point in how I kind of think about the evolution on the financial services side of the industry has probably not, certainly not there yet as a whole, but has gone more that route versus probably the PNC side where I still feel like a lot of that is, man, if I don't have the answer, my client's going to find somebody else or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And so people forget a lot of times that it's perfectly fine to say, Hey, I'm not sure on that answer, you know, this coverage question or whatever, let me go back and I'll find it out and then I'll get back to you tomorrow or mm -hmm. whatnot. I feel like people have to, they think that they have to have that answer and be that expert mm -hmm. and less of that advisor. Mm -hmm. To say, hey, you know what? I'm not the expert in cyber liability, but right. I can find or I know the expert that we're going to bring on to the team that's going to make sure we get this thing set up right. Yeah. Well, here's the deal with the expert piece. You know, obviously, they're the people that are great salespeople, usually the highest achievers, you know, they're great influencers, mm -hmm. right? They, they, they're passionate, they're charismatic, and they can tell great stories. And again, they, there's perceived expert. and But that relationship with the client is based on that. So what happens when that client meets somebody who's even more charismatic, more influential? Yeah. Let's move, right? Mm -hmm. Versus taking the opposite approach where you're talking about what we're talking about here is just say, hey, listen, let's just have a conversation. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot I know about. There's a lot I don't know about, but I know who knows a lot about mm -hmm. it. And I'm going to bring a bunch of people to you. Now, that interaction, I, I, you know, what's fascinating to me is I think a client that is interacting with a bunch of people who are humble, they kind of know their limits, but they know how to surround themselves with their experts. When they meet that one person who has all the answers, who's so influential, they're probably going to go, you know what? Do I really want to give up this team of eight or nine people yeah. to go to this one? Does mm, this one is, is, is charismatic and as influential as they are, are they really going to do better for me than these eight or nine people who all come at it from a different perspective? I think your clients are going to choose the, the team-based approach there. Well, and there's sure. the science and the data behind that from a stickiness approach, yeah. you know, just... Even the old school, if you do more for a client, even product-wise, sure. you know, they're, they're more sticky. And then yeah. you, you put that to the next degree of more people around that client that are all working together. I can only advisory capacity. Yeah. I would imagine, uh, if we had statistics on it, that it would uh, only exponentially. We get more statistics. Like yeah. <laughs> on the fly numbers. I'm looking yep. at Big Oliver. I'm sure it's 80-20. Right, right. We're just trying to it's chant. Yeah, that's that's what we yeah. default to. <laughs> Every time. There's 83% of statistics are made up on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, well, go ahead. No, yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that you're spot on with that. And I, I feel like, again, the industry that you've seen grow, the side of the industry that you've seen grow, has probably made that shift better than the, the PNC side, which is, you know, what we talk about a lot here that we feel like the PNC is maybe where the financial services was in the 90s, mm -hmm. yeah. right? As far as this, this piece of it. And so when you think about, you know, one thing we were talking about um, in between our episodes here was this hurdle of, you know, the PNC side are products that people have to buy. Right. And that naturally leads to kind of that recurring revenue stream that's pretty sticky. Right. You know, right. you kind of have to screw up in order for somebody to really want to move. Yeah. Um, or a client maybe does see that there's a better mousetrap out there yeah. that somebody else is bringing in, and that does necessitate a move. 
Um, so we were kind of discussing that. Does that provide a hurdle for this industry to make this shift? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and just kind of some of your thoughts around that piece of it. Yeah, I mean, I mean every industry is different, right? Uh, and whether or not the financial services industry has done it better than insurance, I mean, it sounds like the insurance yeah. hasn't done it yet. Yeah. So jury's out if they're going to do it better. Correct. They, they just went early. <laughs> they, they went yeah. first. But yeah, I, th- I think if you're in an industry where, uh, again, the majority of the industry is still recurring revenue, transactional, and, and you have a high retention rate, yeah, it, why, why change? Why force a change when it's not uh, forced upon you? The, I guess what, I, what I'd be thinking about is what happens if like a wealth management firm who does risk management, maybe not PNC, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But um, um, legacy planning, charitable planning, asset management, there's all this stuff. And they go, you know what? We're going to bring in our own in-house PNC. Right now, it's all under one roof, all looked at one way. Clients can have the same conversation at the same place. Everybody knows everything. That'd be that's probably going to be the future at some mm-hmm. point. You know, everything's going to be consolidated, and you have a team of experts. There are there. firms like that. Sure, there are. Yeah, today. Yeah, you're right. Um, but as that becomes more prevalent, if I was that transactional, just PNC, and I'm relying on the the 92 percent retention rate, I would be asking myself, Do I want to? Does that model sound better for my client or does my model sound better for my yeah. client? And I can either wait until I'm forced or I can do something now and maybe I can just limit, well, you know, be happy with myself because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was an early adopter. Yeah. And if you're in doubt, ask your client. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. Well, I think what you highlighted too a second ago is that it doesn't have to be this monumental shift. You could do exactly what you're doing today, have your same model and surround yourself. Correct with the team that you talked about to put around the client mm-hmm. and ultimately achieve what we're discussing without having to make some big shift in your business model or your right. you know how you transact business because again you don't just because you're commission based or you, you get paid via product doesn't mean that you're necessarily doing anything wrong by the client you're right it could but it doesn't necessarily mean that and so just take that next step to say how can I bring this level of thinking to my client without having to make a monumental shift mm-hmm. in my business? Hey, you're, Find you're, the right people. You're spot on. It's just uh, how do you get a voice at the table where there's other voices at the table being collaborative? Yeah. 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 And you don't have to change it. You can keep doing exactly what you're doing, but now you have a voice at the table with the accountant, and whereas maybe you don't have it today. Right? Yeah. So again, your client has to carry that burden. Yeah. And until they, and if they find a way where they can offload that burden, they will. Yeah. Well, or, one of the just to I'll like kick it to you in a second, but just to wrap that up is something really simple. We've heard uh, folks doing is just do a round table with those advisors. So just be the one to come to your client and say, Hey, you know what? You've got all these people advising you, me included on some products, whatever it is. Let's just schedule once a year where we all get together and just talk through what each is doing. Sure. You don't have to be the leader of it. Somebody's going to take the lead and just sure. say, I think it's a good idea that we all get together. Sure. I think it's a great idea. You know, we've talked about that. Yeah, and then there's a lot of advisors uh, that don't even look at the insurance, yeah. right? So this piece. So you imagine, and so their their business is handling the assets, right? Imagine they have a client who has a huge risk exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't have an umbrella or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. right? Now, you know, something unexpected happens, and the assets are what is going to cover the the penalty for that Mm -hmm. risk whatever right Mm -hmm. well that advisor's business is now in jeopardy because of holes that they failed to address and because you weren't talking you know you both failed to address it and your client you know they're living their own life yeah their job is not to do all this stuff they're they're caught in the middle yeah the good news about us is the future of advice is only going to get better 
Because yeah. we're coming from a kind of a low, maybe a low place <laughs> a low bar. Well, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, like you said, the the insurance industry really hasn't started, or we're in the infancy of starting this transition. The wealth management space has transitioned significantly faster. We could probably have a whole other conversation on why with you know 0102 and 0809 and different events that have happened that have yeah, expedited yeah. the way that devices sure. advice is delivered today. But, um, you know, from a, from a timing perspective on the insurance side, it's, it's, there really hasn't been any events mm-hmm. that have catapulted, you know, a, a change in the way that risk management advice is delivered. But it's kind of interesting because we were chatting about that, you know, the wealth management space has gone hard in the paint against risk management because of the commission-based products and da 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 da. And what I kind of heard you mention is that at some point, maybe through a different delivery model or something, that a lot of that advice is going to come back around 360 degrees around a client and be like, okay, listen, like, let's get the right people around the table and let's make the right decisions to help move you forward in your life. However you want to do that. I think it has to, it has to, I mean, just ask yourself, how how do you, do you want it all be looked at in one, you know, 360? Of course you do. Yeah. Right. I I think, you know, part of the, what you mentioned about the wealth management space, I think the pendulum shifted too far. I think when people went independent and kind of became this advisor advice, be the client's advisor, they wanted to get as far away from where they were, and that was you know working for a product manufacturer, right? Yeah. Being the yeah. sales rep that they said, I'm gonna go all the way, no commissions at all, yeah. right? But hard in the paint, nothing to do with anybody else. That's right. any, yeah. Yeah. But there are products that are only sold or majority sold through a commission structure that makes sense. Yeah. Now the question is, it might maybe the reality is those products are really geared for far fewer people than it's being sold to today. Right, mm-hmm. they, they should really f- uh, fit a solution for a, pro- a problem versus being versus you know I know a lot of it, a lot of you know people in this industry that you know it's the old saying you know every when you're when you're when, you, when you're a hammer everybody looks like a nail yeah. right mm-hmm. you know yeah I got a product and I'm gonna yeah. find a way to jam it in them right yeah. so yeah. but that's the opposite of where everybody wants to go to mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's gonna have to at some point in time it's gonna go full circle where you know we're doing everything and and taking a total picture for the client because they're gonna drive it. They're going to drive that solution. Where do you think, this is a big question, but where do you, I mean, you're sitting in the wealth management industry 10 years from now with how we deliver advice. How do you see it being different? How do you see it evolving over the next decade, knowing what you know today? I wish I had a crystal ball. So there's a, there's a lot of moving parts in there. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to give anything specific, but I, 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 will, I would say that 10 years from now, you're going to need to be able to have a real open conversation with your client more than you are today, right? Uh, About things that aren't just, you know, numbers and dollar values and, you know, your returns and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just, there's just too many clients are being, they're, they're educated too much, right? They have too much information and the, the, the access to other people feeding them information is too much that they're going to have a lot of stuff, but they just want to, get off their chest and talk about, right? So the people that are able to have uh, and, and carry forth a dialogue about things that maybe have nothing to do with anything you're going to offer the client, 
but just help, helping someone talk through it so it no longer becomes a burden, that's a value, mm-hmm. right? It's part of the relationship. So uh, I'm all in that the people that know how to connect with clients have real conversations where the clients do the, clients do the talking, uh, that's the future. Yeah. It's, I mean, a lot of this other stuff's gonna be automated. I mean, yeah. a lot more things you're gonna be able to buy online at really low cost. Mm-hmm. So how do you make the money uh, if, if, unless it's helping provide and put clients at ease and, and help them live a better life without carrying the burden of all these things that's getting in their way? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the, and the beauty of that, I think, is, is not only is that what we feel like is the better path forward for the client, but it also mitigates that existential threat, essentially, of whatever that delivery mechanism comes in the future, which yeah. is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, and we've talked about that on the podcast. There's going to be better, more efficient ways to deliver insurance, to deliver financial products, whatever it is. And so if, if you're in that advisor role or if you're in a role where you're being paid to deliver those products, um, you know, look at how you're going to be paid when those products can be delivered that mm-hmm. much cheaper yeah. and easier. So, you know, other countries have already beaten us there. I mean, mm-hmm. you cannot call yourself an advisor if you're being paid by product manufacturers. Right. I mean, other countries, you have to state on your business card or you know, business cards anymore, but your mm-hmm. title that you are a salesperson because right? mm-hmm. you work for the manufacturer. But if you're an advisor, you almost, I mean, they're, I mean, in Australia, you have to have an annual contract. Like, this is what we are going to do, and this is what we are charging you. Mm-hmm. And the client, and you sign it. I mean, I mean, we're not there in the U.S., but maybe 10 years you are. And yeah. it's a different model than you're working in today if you're uh, um, only getting compensated through products. Totally. Well, man, I think that's been a couple great episodes for, for everybody. We appreciate you coming in. Yeah. yeah it's a lot of really valuable. Uh, thank oh, you. Definitely. Thank you. Always good when we drink some wood for two. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. All right. Take care. See you, everybody.